Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Callian's third quarter results conference call. As a reminder, this conference is being recorded, and I would like to turn the conference over to Mr. Kevin Ford, Chief Executive Officer. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you, uh, Casey, and good good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, with me this afternoon is Patrick Houston, our CFO, and we'd like to welcome you to Callian's third quarter 2020 conference call. I'm pleased to announce another record quarter of revenue for Callian which we have now accomplished for eight consecutive quarters. The results demonstrate our continued growth and the resilience of Callian's diversified business. Q3's consolidated revenue was a record 106 million, up 19% from the same period last year. The quarter also marked our 75th consecutive profitable quarter, highlighting that we continue to maintain profitability as we execute a growth plan. While the ongoing public health crisis has had some short-term impacts on our earnings, our teams have adjusted and Callion has remained resilient. The third quarter's results reflect our continued focus on profitable growth while delivering essential services to customers in a very challenging and unpredictable environment. During the quarter, we saw very positive results and growth across most of our segments. Health revenue gained 50% compared to the same period a year earlier, reflecting stronger demand across the business and with, an, our recon, and with our recent acquisition of Alphys and Alio. A major contributor to the growth was the health team's recently won contract with SNC-Lavalin and PEE's joint venture to support the delivery of mobile respiratory care units for the Government of Canada's pandemic response efforts. The advanced technology segment posted strong revenue growth of 18% from the prior year quarter, with continued top-line contributions from the segment's large ground systems project mobile wireless product sales for a Tier 1 North American mobile wireless provider, and other defense and SATCOM projects. Information technology revenue gained 9% from the prior year quarter on stronger overall demand, including solid sales for our cybersecurity products and services. Positive results in the advanced technologies, health, and IT segments more than offset a year-over-year quarterly revenue decline in the learning business which was affected by the COVID-19 pandemic causing delays to on-site learning activities and training exercises. Through the pandemic shutdowns, we have worked with our customers to find alternate approaches to maintain continuity of service. And as of June, many of the activities that were paused have returned under new rules and procedures for the safety of instructors and students. Despite the revenue decline for learning, the segment maintained profitability. I'd like to thank our dedicated team at Callion for their efforts during the quarter. They have helped us respond to the pandemic with agility, creativity, and a tremendous collective effort. Once again, they have helped carry Callion through this very challenging business environment. I will now ask Patrick to review the quarterly numbers. Over to you, Patrick. Thank you, Kevin. It's exciting to report another record revenue quarter. We have again exceeded $100 million in a quarter and accomplished this in exceptional circumstances. The successful execution of our profitable growth during the quarter highlighted the critical, essential service nature of our products and services, 
as well as our team's flexibility to adapt to rapid changes in conducting business in the last few months. Third quarter revenue increased 19% year-over-year, while adjusted EBITDA was up 34%. During our third quarter, the company was impacted by the pandemic, which, as Kevin mentioned, caused us to pause certain projects requiring on-site delivery. This was largely in our IT and learning segments, although certain customers in our health segment also had to pause operations and temporarily halt contract work. On a consolidated basis, COVID-19 resulted in a revenue decrease of 8.8 million during the quarter and an EBITDA impact of 1.7 million. We were able to offset this to some extent with revenue from our engagement with SNC Lavalin on mobile respiratory clinics, although at significantly lower margins. The net impact on EBITDA from COVID-19 in the quarter when accounting for the pause contracts and the offsetting SNC work was approximately 1.4 million. Throughout the quarter, each business segment worked extensively with customers to resume operations, and as of this call, we have been able to resume a significant portion of our affected contracts. We currently estimate a further revenue impact of 2 to $3 million for the remainder of the fiscal year. Please see our MD&A for further discussion of these impacts in the quarter. Our already strong balance sheet was further strengthened this quarter. We ended the quarter with $46 million of cash on hand, which supported our completion of two new M&A transactions shortly after quarter end. Consolidated gross margins in the quarter were 21.4% in line with the same period of the previous year. Operating expenses in the third quarter were 13.5 million up from 12.5 million in the same period of the previous year. This was a result of investments in strategic initiatives to diversify our customer base and expand into new verticals investment across the segments to enable project delivery, and some additional costs related to acquisitions and outstanding equity instruments. We continue to make focused, disciplined investments in our business development and delivery engines to support the company's overall growth. Adjusted EBITDA for the third quarter was $9 million, an increase of 34% from $6.7 million in the same quarter of the previous year. Adjusted net profit in the third quarter was $5.6 million, an increase from $5 million in the same period of the previous year. Working capital in the quarter decreased by $5.4 million. This was the result of the ongoing implementation of our large ground system project offset by U.S. Canadian dollar exchange rate changes, government programs introduced as part of their response to COVID-19, which allowed the deferral of certain tax payments, and improved collections and management of accounts payable. Our net liquidity position remains strong with $46 million of cash on hand and no balance drawn on our credit facility of $60 million. Finally, please note that certain information discussed today is forward-looking and subject to important risks and uncertainties. The results predicted in these statements may be materially different from actual results. I'll now turn the call back over to Kevin. Thank you, Patrick. Overall, we have continued to demonstrate the execution of Callion's growth strategy despite challenges across the global economy. I often refer to Callion as having a four-piston engine, driven by our four segments of advanced technologies, health, learning, and IT. And I think you saw the work of that engine in the quarter, with each segment focused on growth and innovation. Our sales efforts continue to show positive momentum in the quarter as we captured $154 million in new contracts, ending the period with a revenue backlog of approximately $1.3 billion. These new contracts included health new business with SNC Lavalin, worked up to $26 million in revenue in the first phase, 
Our IT segment successful recompete for a cybersecurity contract with the Department of National Defense with up to 22 million over three years. And the learning segment successful recompete for the training service contract, the Canadian Forces School of Aerospace Technology and Engineering worth up to 54 million over the next six years. Post quarter end, the Callion team is excited to announce the close of two acquisitions strengthening the IT and learning segments. In the learning segment, we acquired CTS International, a boutique training firm based in Stavanger, Norway. CTS provides the learning team with her presence in Europe and the opportunity to pursue new training business within NATO, as well as other defense and commercial customers in the European market. For the IT segment, we acquired MSEC Solutions, a firm based in Ottawa specializing in radio frequency emission security and technical surveillance countermeasures. MSEC's wealth of cybersecurity experience will position Callion into a dominant position in the emission security field and provide our cyber solution team with this market differentiation. Congratulations to our learning and IT teams for closing these acquisitions, and again to the CTS and MSEC teams, a warm welcome to Callion. Regarding frontline health and essential service workers, I'd like to thank all of you for your dedication and courage during this ongoing public health crisis. Our own dedicated staff at Callion have been delivering essential services with so many other frontline health workers, Canadian Forces members, and service workers. From all of us at Callion, we are, offer our deepest appreciation for your service. Going forward, M&A growth will continue to be a focus. We will also continue to invest in R&D and sales to support future organic growth. The advanced technology segment, for instance, has continued R&D related to new products with the recent launch of its fourth generation Decimator D4 spectrum analyzer product, which monitors radio frequency communications and detects signals issues. So in closing, while the current global business and economic environment is uncertain, Callion has responded to recent adversity with resilience, flexibility, and creativity. The third quarter demonstrated our consistent ability to increase top-line revenues and win work through challenging marketing conditions. Callion entered 2020 with a strong backlog of work and has continued to add to new contract wins and rules to maintain this backlog position. Lastly, while the traditional markets in which Callion operates are managing through this pandemic, management expects organic revenue earnings growth in most or all of its segments through the successful execution of our growth strategy. However, we must caution that revenues realized are ultimately dependent on the extent and timing of future contract awards, customer utilization of existing contract vehicles, and any impacts due to COVID-19, specifically government regulations related to social distancing, stay-at-home orders, and broader global travel restrictions. Based on currently available information and our assessment of the marketplace, we have increased our guidance to reflect our strong third quarter and our momentum going forward into the fourth quarter of fiscal 2020. We expect revenues for fiscal year 2020 to be in the range of 415 million to 435 million. EBITDA per share in the range of $3.95 to $4.17. And adjusted net profit in the range of $2.48 to $2.70 per share. Please see our press release and MDA for detailed reconciliation of our guidance. So with that, Casey, I'd like to now open the call to questions. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, we will open the floor for your questions. If you would like to ask a question, please signal by pressing star 1 on your telephone keypad now. If you're using a speakerphone, please make sure that your mute function is turned off to allow your signal to reach our equipment. And again, that is star 1 if you would like to ask a question. And we'll pause for just a moment to allow everyone an opportunity to signal for questions. 
And our first question comes from Amir Azad with Echelon Wealth Partners. Uh, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my questions and congrats on the strong quarter. Um, first, on your updated guidance, can you maybe give us some color on the different drivers there for, for the Delta? Um, you mentioned the SNC contract in your prepared remarks, but the $30 million bump in your revenues implies um, that you're perhaps seeing strength in um, other areas um, of the business as well. Maybe some color would be helpful. Yeah, hi, Amir. Thanks. Um, so SNC certainly is one of the drivers that that contract in the uh, approximately $25 million uh, value. We're hoping to deliver the majority of that this, this year, um, but some of it might slip into Q1. The other one is where we are making good progress on our large ground system project. Um, that's proceeding uh, despite any of the uh, travel restrictions. Our team's really worked hard to continue the pace on that project. Um, so we're seeing a little bit of uh, incremental revenue there. And, um, and we're also seeing, you know, as we mentioned in our prepared comments, the COVID impacts have lessened significantly. So in the Q4 is, um, so that should help us uh, finish up the year. Fantastic. Then maybe another one on, on your new guidance. The new guidance implies that the EBITDA margin is just a touch lower than your previous forecast. Just wondering what brought that on. Is it the... Uh, I guess like the lower EBITDA margin of the uh, of the SNC contract, or is there anything else to read um, into that? No, you, I think you've got it there. The, the SNC contract certainly is much lower margin um, than uh, our traditional business. Um, so although it's helping us on revenue, it is bringing down our EBITDA percentage slightly. Fantastic. Uh, Fantastic. Um, on, on the advanced technologies um, sector, I guess, as I look at the growth contribution during the quarter of 18%, um, can you share with us how much of that comes from ground systems um, versus your wireless product? Yeah, in the quarter, um, I mean, the majority, there's three really drivers. Ground systems was the largest one. We did see continued um, demand slightly higher than last quarter for the products and Intergrain, which really comes into to focus here in, in Q3 and Q4, had a strong quarter as well. So the combination of those three was really uh, what propelled the growth. Understood. Um, okay, so I guess as we we turn our attention to fiscal 21, maybe you could give us um, a bit of color on the uh, bidding activities and the uh, the opportunities I guess you're seeing for both like ground systems and the wireless products, just trying to get a sense of how much activity you're seeing and how large, I guess, are these opportunities relative to what you guys are delivering on? Yeah, I would say yeah, it's Kevin. So I, I think for me, uh, what I'm, you know, as, as in this quarter with uh, over 150 million signings, what we're seeing is that from a sales opportunity perspective for whether it's advanced technology, healthcare, learning, IT, we're seeing good opportunities and ranging from, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to multi-million dollar opportunities. So um, I've been impressed, frankly, uh, just by the amount of um, the activity that I'm seeing in our proposals groups, so how many proposals are going out the door. So uh, across each of our segments, uh, in advanced technology specifically, we're, we're seeing still lots of customer opportunities with current customers as well as potentially new customers. Uh, we're seeing interest in areas such as our carbon fiber antennas, uh, which we are rolling out as part of this ground system project. As you remember, we, we announced this last year that uh, that's a new, a new capability for us. 
Um, so I'm, I'm pretty excited by the fact that in a very challenging environment that we're, uh, we're still seeing lots of opportunities and lots of proposal activity. Of course, we've got to win those. We've got to win our share of them. But uh, in no way are we feeling, uh, are we feeling uh, you know, not having opportunities right now to continue the growth profile. Great. Maybe uh, one last one, a housekeeping um, item. Um, SecureTech's second anniversary was May 31st. Notice that um, your total contingent consideration still stands. Um, at 19.6 billion as that quarter end. So safe to assume that they, they've met their targets for the second earnouts. Yes, they did meet them, uh, and they actually overachieved uh, uh, slightly above the target. So um, we recorded that and paid it uh, in Q4. So um, you know, good strong performance from SecureTech in the second year. <clears throat> Fantastic. Thanks. I'll pass the line. Thank you. Thanks for your questions. We'll take our next question from Benoit Poirier with Desjardins Capital Markets. Yes, good afternoon, Kevin. Good afternoon, uh, Patrick, and congrats for the uh, the very good quarter. Uh, for IT, could you maybe uh, congratulations, by the way, for the acquisition of EMSEC. Could you maybe help us to understand the geographical mix of the business and whether you see uh, increased uh, opportunity with cyber security solution in the context of the pandemic? Yeah, so I think on the, the first part of your question with regard to um, the, the, the scope or the, the globe, you know, where we're delivering cyber services specifically, Benoit? Yes, exactly. Okay. So right now, if you look at, you know, as I, as I mentioned, if, I think in the past, you know, if you look at our IT services business today, including cyber, the majority of the work is, is Ottawa and some, you know, Toronto uh, exposure. So what we're excited about is, you know, now with MSEC and also, uh, you know, some of the increased costs in our OPEX is putting more sales headcount in areas such as Toronto. So we think geographically we have lots of room to grow in Canada, um, and, and the reality is the majority of our revenue for IT services right now is coming out of Ottawa with some, with some in Toronto. So we just think, frankly, growing our IT business is taking all the good work we're doing here and just expanding it across the country. So right now, uh, domestic play for sure uh, with regard to IT overall and, and then for, for specifically cyber uh, in the context of the pandemic. Uh, you know, I, I think what we're seeing is a few things. We're seeing increased activity for government, uh, government and federal government, uh, to push forward with um, cybersecurity uh, RFPs to strengthen infrastructure, especially as people work mobile. More and more mobile work offer, work uh, work environments means you know more exposure to cyber potential issues. So I think everyone's trying to push forward on some of those activities to get some corporates. Uh, capability or enterprise uh, solutions in place to deal with the mobile world. And then uh, just generally, you know, cyber, you know, regardless of the pandemic is a, is a concern. And so we continue to see good opportunity and a uh, very positive growth profile for that, both in Ottawa, but frankly, right across the country. So uh, I, I think there's still lots of room to grow in our IT services and cyber specifically for sure. Okay, and with advanced technology, given the pandemic, people have been working away from home. So are you seeing some incremental demand from your telecommunication customers to, to increase uh, bandwidth uh, in some specific regions? Uh, not, not necessarily, I think. You know, a lot of the work historically that we've been doing is in the uh, ground system and SATCOM. So, uh, I, I think there's obviously probably been more demand, and you think about uh, some of the broadcasters and 
uh, broadcast capability that we help support. So we haven't really necessarily seen it from the telecommunications side. You know, we've just entered the mobile marketplace really this year with um, with that one product that we've sold to a major carrier. So we haven't seen demand per se, I would say, uh, uh, Benoit, with regard to that. But we are very busy in advanced technologies on the SATCOM ground system segment side. Lots of opportunities, lots of bids going out the door. So whether that's related to pandemic, I can't say for sure, but uh, we're not seeing that slow down in any shape or form. Okay, and last one for me, Elcare. Could you talk about the progress made with the integration of the two uh, latest acquisition in Ottawa? Yeah, actually, it's it's been it's been good. You know, I, I think as we continue to involve our M&A playbook and and take lessons learned from every acquisition and we put it into our playbook, you know, I would say with the Alio Allface team, uh, it's going very very well, and uh, we've been able to actually leverage each other's collective capabilities now to bid on new work. Uh, clearly, they're supportive of the uh, the Alio Allface team as a, a key part of that SNC Lavalan win as well, bringing their capability to the table. And we continue to get more exposure to other potential pharma customers and uh, obviously the home care element of that. When you think about pandemic and what's going to be going longer term, I think it's going to be a good opportunity for us. So we've been very excited by, you know, it's, it's, it's frankly been very quick out of the blocks uh, with Alio Allface. The team's incredible. The talent's incredible. And the, the, the products they're offering with their home software application that really helps us differentiate is really is really uh, you know helping us both in the alley all phase domains, but also even our healthcare domains grow. So still very positive, uh, Benoit, and and frankly you know, one of our quickest acquisitions out of the gate on the one plus one equals three for sure. Okay, congrats and uh, thanks for the time. No, no problem. Good to always good. Thanks, Benoit. Good to hear from you. We'll take our next question from Faraz Hamad with uh, Laurentian Bank Securities. Hey, good afternoon, guys. Hi, Faraz. Congrats on the quarter. Um, I was hoping to start off just on the healthcare segment. Um, you know, it's definitely a strong quarter. Um, of the SNC contract, would you be able to tell us how much of, the, of that contract came through this quarter? Yeah, it's about seven and a half million. Okay, and I guess the bulk of that is the core. Q4 thing? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think um, right now we're, we're thinking we try to get most of it done. We do have some deliveries in the last couple weeks uh, of the quarter right now schedule, so some of it might slip into Q1, but right now the plan is to try to deliver the balance of that uh, that win we announced uh, this year. <clears throat> okay, great. And within the healthcare segment as well, previously you had mentioned that um, services that you offer, like, you know, mental health services and dental um, had been lagging just because of the focus on essential health care. Has that, has that come back uh, recently, and uh, do you expect it to continue to come back into Q4? Yeah, I think for me on the, um, you know, on the dental side and everything, and specifically with our defense contract, we're definitely seeing the return to work for, uh, you know, dental services. I think there was an initial pause, but I think uh, the reality is that that's coming back. I've actually I see that even on a personal level with family. You know, people are getting back to dentists, so so that one's definitely coming back. Uh, on the mental health side, um, I would say uh, demand has been neutral. Um, it's it, it's just more you know some of the work we've done in certain areas um, are. Um, are stronger with regard to obviously mental health and a lot of the work we do with the military that always has been strong. 
is just now, you know, psychological assessments that we bring in priority one for like firearms and stuff like that, that's going to slow down over the, over the last little while. But again, we expect that to pick up and get back to normal probably in the next two or three quarters. Okay. And just turning over to the, uh, the learning segment now, I, I, you, you guys mentioned that uh, a lot of the engagements that were paused are coming back online. I mean, would you kind of, would you be able to give us a sense as to what percentage of, of some of your contracts are still on hold? Yeah, I'd say it's a minority right now. I mean, there's a few contracts here and there where um, either the activity hasn't resumed and we haven't found an alternative uh, method to deliver the service. But I'd say that's the minority, so say maybe 15%. The rest of the the 85% that was that led to that kind of uh, impact in Q3 has since uh, resumed. <clears throat> okay, that's great to hear. And then I guess just the last one for me. Um, you guys have done a great job maintaining margins during the, uh, the pandemic and, you know, given the focus on costs um, during COVID, do you, do you see a large opportunity for margin gains once things normalize, given the, the tight level of cost control? Yeah, I mean, we've been monitoring costs, obviously. Um, you know, travel and things like that have reduced. Some of the marketing has uh, reduced in certain areas. Um, you know, we've We've paused on certain um, increases, which we probably naturally would have done on space and things like that. So we're trying to find opportunities where we can reduce uh, our expenses, um, you know, that, it, that doesn't impact our long-term growth, which is really the most important that we're trying to focus on. So invest it to drive the long-term growth, but yet at the same time, find some opportunities for savings um, where they naturally are coming. <clears throat> okay, great, thanks, guys. Thank you. We'll take our next question from Deepak Kishal with Stiefel GMP. Oh, hi, Kevin, Patrick. Uh, good evening, and thanks for taking my questions. Uh, I've got a couple of follow-ups to some of the previous questions. Um, Kevin, CTS, uh, you know, the, the synergies and the rationale, you know, I can easily assume and seem pretty obvious. MSEC seems a bit less um, obvious. I was wondering if you could walk us through the rationale for acquiring that business and, and what kind of synergies you can drive with your existing uh, IT practice. Yeah, I think for me the you know the, the, this, you're right. It's not necessarily what we were doing in the context of cyber, but what we thought and what we do believe, and, and with the team, what we've added in there is a very unique toolkit into our cyber capabilities. So um, there's not a lot of companies. This is very boutique. Uh, this is not a piece that is easily found. And then we felt that that uh, with their presence and their customer base. Uh, they've exposure in defense and other markets, um, and some of their tools that they've developed. We thought it would be something that, as we look to strengthen our cyber practice and grow, it's something they had basically reached a certain threshold, you know, with the amount of capability they had. And we think now putting our shoulder in behind it, we could be looking at that. And when you think about RF emission security, you think about just the reality of mobile workplaces and and um, you know, the, the reality that cyber attacks are increasing, and this is actually dealing with the emissions coming from computers. Uh, we, we still think that it's going to be both on the corporate side, the defense side, and even potentially um, on the defense uh, the defense OEMs that we service. There's going to be a lot of synergies there. So uh, definitely it will be a focus initially on defense, the defense OEMs, but we do believe there's some corporate capability here that, uh, they are starting to get exposed to that will really help us. And it's a great way to talk to our cyber business and differentiate us in the context of all that we're doing, Deepak. So uh, it's, a, it's a very strong tool and toolkit for sure. Um, okay, and then go, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, sorry, go ahead. Yep, yep, that's fine. 
I was gonna I was gonna shift gears unless you had anything more to add on on MSEC or CTS. Well, no, I don't think so. I, I think for us, what we're you know with the CTS one, as you said, the synergies are obvious with regard to expanding our our base of, of training and learning that we're doing in military environments to NATO and other European customers, as well as the commercial market there. Uh, you bring in the SAT service piece that we have in Germany now, so we now have two you know two two foot uh, footprints in Germany or sorry in Europe. And I think that is, again, uh, it's consciously as part of our plan is we want to plant flags in some of these economies and local uh, local areas that we know are going to be key to our long-term growth. So yeah, we're very excited about CTS. And, again, coming out of the blocks, we're seeing lots of opportunities working together, so it's, it's pretty exciting. Got it. And, and then going back to, you know, early acquisitions, Ali and Allphase, um, you mentioned some COVID-related opportunities. I was wondering specifically if you could talk about what you're seeing in the, in the home care services, um, you know, we hear a little bit more about hospitals having to, to do more of that um, service, servicing its, its general population in their own homes rather than on site in the hospitals. What particularly seeing there, and is that product revenue in the healthcare related to that? I would say for us, it's, it's really two things. So number one, as you said, is people look at alternative delivery models for healthcare now, whether it's virtual healthcare, um, you know, home healthcare, as you said, moving people out of hospitals. You think about our, our network of national medical practitioners, you know, it's probably one of the strongest in the country across multiple diverse elements. Uh, so we had that to start. You bring Alio Alphase in that brings in the capability with their home uh, health outcomes management engine, which is a proprietary software they've developed to help really build a, a more effective way to interface and integrate a lot of the healthcare systems. Um, I, I would say, uh, you know, relevant clearly post-COVID and then they also had a, a um, you know the pharma trials. You think about pharma and the pharma industry with uh, vaccines, and then you know, then you bring in the fact that they had exposure to home care and and some uh, one of the companies they had bought earlier, a company called Global, has actually got a home care capability. So I would say for us right now in health, our, our growth is going to be continued to be driven by you know uh, federal government, uh, whether it's defense or SMP. It's going to be continued to grow by other new customers just exposing our healthcare practitioners to that. It's going to be driven by the LOL phase acquisitions with regard to access now to pharma and pharma trials and patient support programs that are come, coming with the LOL phase acquisitions. So uh, all of the things that we're doing in healthcare are very relevant and also going to be very more relevant, I think, as now as we look at these alternative healthcare delivery models. And we're working on that very proactively on our next steps uh, for accounting to, to really um, take advantage of that opportunity. Got it, got it. Okay, and I, I guess my last question, and more general on the M&A side, you've, you've done a handful of them, you know, in the recent quarters, and they've all been quite small. Um, is that just the nature of what you're seeing in the market? Is it easy to pull the trigger on these small niche uh, boutique um, kind of acquisitions? What can you tell us about the pipeline and what you're seeing in the marketplace for M&A? Yeah, I think if you look at the, you know, if you think about the last 12 months, you know, from a Italian perspective, between you know SAT service, um, you bring in the Alio All Phase piece, which is a larger acquisition, and then as you said, two smaller tuck unders. I would say I, would, I think that's a good categorization of what we're seeing. We, we really see um, you know the, the, the smaller tuck under capability, but we're also seeing some larger opportunities uh, across each of the segments. Uh, what we're just trying to do is, frankly, what I was trying to do with our team is clean up. Some of the um, we had met with a lot of companies over the years on the M&A profile. So what I, really what I asked Patrick and the team to do was clean that up. In other words, let's let's take a look at those targets that have been on the the the, the, the you know on our list for the last year, six months, whatever, 
let's clean those up. And what we're doing is exactly that. So what we're doing, either they're on or they're off, and let's move on. Because really what I want to do now is, uh, with, our, with, a, with a focus on the future, uh, we continue to have a, a good discussion around what's next for us on M&A. And both smaller tuck and larger acquisitions are on the agenda for sure. So we see opportunities in each of our segments. And what you're seeing us do right now is basically um, clean, uh, not clean, I don't use that in a negative context, but just try and close through a few of these targets that we've had discussions on for numerous months and, and maybe in some cases years. So, yeah, lots of opportunity. Definitely will be uh, continued focus for us, not just the acquisition, but also integration and uh, all sizes. We're seeing tuck unders to larger acquisition opportunities, but uh, making sure we take our time in a COVID world that, uh, you know, that we can do proper due diligence. And that's the only thing that may slow it down in, for anybody right now is just how much due diligence you could do in a COVID uh, backdrop. Uh, okay. I've got one more, but I think I'll jump back in the queue and maybe uh, give other people a chance and, and come back in. Thanks again. Thanks, back. Thanks, Doug. Yep. And as a reminder to our audience, if you would like to ask a question, please signal by pressing star 1 now. We'll take our next question from Amar Shaw with 8 Capital. Hey, good afternoon, guys, and congrats on the quarter. Um, majority of my questions have been asked, but uh, I thought I'd sort of just follow up on on, uh, on that last comment regarding due diligence. Um, <clears throat> obviously, it's impressive to be able to close a, a global deal in, uh, in within the pandemic. But I guess I'm just wanting to get your viewpoint on, um, you know, is due diligence a little more difficult for global deals? So, you know, would there be more of a preference for things that are perhaps closer to home? Or or I guess um, is the is the pipeline still um, to be committed to, to a global outreach? Yeah, I would think for me, you know, the um – when you look at our playbook, and, and I've talked to this, it's really three fundamental criteria we, we look at, you know, three lenses we look at in acquisitions. Obviously, the financial lens and company performance, growth profile, you know, valuation, multiples, uh, you know, kind of the standard. Then the strategic fit with the company, uh, really supporting two elements of our four-pillar growth strategy, primarily around customer diversification and service line innovation. So those things you can assess you know, in the in the even in a COVID world, you can access that virtually. You know, you can sit down, you can talk to companies. I think we're all getting more and more comfortable with online meetings. Uh, you know, if I got paid by online online meetings these days, I tell you, I'd be doing really well. And I think we're all in that mindset now, where everyone is getting more and more comfortable interacting in an online world. So for those two lenses, I feel that we can really um, continue to operate, continue to do due, due, due diligence uh, in a remote mindset, wherever that acquisition may be. The one you have to assess is our third lens, which is cultural fit. So, you know, I've always said, you know, I like to meet with the owners. I like to have dinner. We like to sit down and talk. We like to meet elements of the management team. So that's the one you have to, you really have to assess how effective can you be in cultural due diligence. And um, and that's one we're working through. You know, we're working through, um, you know, some of the targets that we have closed, like MSEC and CTS. We had actually met with the company even before COVID had hit, frankly. These discussions have been going on for a while. So we had already had that ability to assess cultural fit and getting to know the company. Um, so that's the one that we'll just continue to um, evaluate our capability to do that. That being said, I can tell you the online tools are getting more and more effective. I think we're getting more and more comfortable in dealing with it. So whether the company, frankly, is in Ottawa, uh, Toronto, or in Germany, uh, I think the challenge is there for most companies to assess that. 
in, in, a, in a virtual world, but you know, given time, I think we're all just getting more comfortable doing that. So right now, we're still moving ahead. Uh, we think we can still operate our playbook, but we will be cognizant that you know we won't pull the trigger on an acquisition unless we feel all three lenses have been satisfied with regard to due diligence. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. And has your has your view on on leverage changed at all? Um, now we're, that we're kind of a few months into into the you know post COVID world, and and uh, you know the business has has shown some resilience. Um, I, I guess. Uh, how are you thinking about that? Yeah, we're still comfortable in that uh, two and a half times EBITDA, uh, but you can see as we continue to grow our EBITDA, you know, we're, we're quickly outgrowing our existing credit facility, which is at 60 million. Um, so we'll continue to look at that as, as we see transactions come into focus, um, but we're comfortable at that two and a half times EBITDA. Um, and, uh, you know, we should be able to secure that kind of financing with, with some of our existing partners. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll use that certainly to continue on our M&A um, strategy, and uh, it'll be important in the next uh, 12 to 18 months as we, you know, we execute on that. <clears throat> Great. Thanks, guys. I'll turn it back. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for the questions. And we'll take our next question from Deepak Kashal with Stiefel GMP. Oh, hi, guys. Uh, sorry, thanks for taking my follow-up. Um, I didn't want to say last question and ask another one, so I jumped back in the queue. <laughs> um, you know, Pastor Kevin, more focused on margins for gross margin instead of property margin and net margin. Uh, when I look at the gross margin, uh, I'm just trying to assess the path to expanding gross margin. Is that largely going to come through M&A, or can new products like your wireless product or your decimator product or the, the carbon fiber antennas, can those new products move the gross margin line as you, as you scale the, the customer base for them? Uh, how, how should we think about gross margin expansion? Yeah, I'll give you my thoughts. I'll let Patrick jump in. You know, again, back to our four-pillar four growth strategy, the service line innovation pillar really is about, um, through organic and M&A, you know, expanding product, you know, capability or differentiation in the marketplace and all that we do with a goal with a goal to improve margins. So, whether that's gross or EBITDA margins, we we are um, we're very uh, passionate about trying to do that in, in a very challenging market. Uh, so, w the way you ask the question, you almost answered Deepak. I think it shows you how you start another company. Is you know, the reality is our products are higher margins, so we continue to invest in that. We look at uh, new capabilities from our acquisition perspective. You know, one of the criteria in our financial lens for acquisitions is higher margins that helps move up our consolidated or divisional margins for each of the segments. So. Um, we're really, uh, I think over time, I, I'm confident we can continue to move these up. It's just, uh, it's just going to be the pace of those. Is, you know, as you layer in almost 400 million in revenue, you need to, you know, there's only so much you can do at any given year. But the goal is to improve margins through differentiation, through M&A, through organic, for sure. Patrick, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. I mean, the majority of these ones we've uh, broken through on the last couple of years have brought, uh, you know, significantly higher margins than, than our traditional kind of consolidated level. Um, and I think they're just starting to take hold. I mean, we saw a bit of a step back here this quarter because of, you know, SNC and some of these other ones, which are lower margins. But I think um, the direction certainly is as we invest in, in certain new opportunities, whether it be M&A or organic, they're generating, you know, um, margins that are significantly higher than, than what our traditional uh, consolidated margin is. Okay. And, and are you guys willing to, to share kind of targets for next year? I mean, is, 
notwithstanding acquisitions, is 25% gross margin within the realm on the organic business, or is it still too early to kind of assess that? Um, I mean, I'd say on the new business that we would generate, for sure we would have a target that or above. I mean, the, the existing, as you know with us, is we've got a pretty significant backlog of business we go into the year. If you think you, you look at our MDNA, we've got 250 or $70 million secured for next year. And the majority of that is the margin on that's already been set. You know, we just need to execute it. So um, to bring that up, you, you can quickly do the math. To get to 25, we'd have to do, you know, plus 30 on everything else. Um, so I think next year, certainly, the objective is to get it up a couple points um, through M&A and organic and then continue to make progress. Okay, that, that's very helpful, Patrick. Hi, Kevin, thanks again for taking my questions. Uh, have a good no evening. problem, Deepak. I appreciate the questions. And we'll take a follow-up from Faraz Ahmad with uh, Laurenti on Bank Securities. Hey, guys. Just a quick follow-up for me. Um, I know you spoke a little bit about uh, intragrain, but just wondering if you could uh, speak a little bit more about the demand trends you're seeing in that business, especially given, you know, all that's going on. And just wondering if that's tapered off or, or uh, you're seeing any weakness there. No, so far they've been um, performing pretty well. Obviously, their big quarters is uh, this quarter and, and the next one. Um, as they they go through, they start delivering their summer orders and then they get their kind of final orders before the winter starts. Um, so far, you know the macro things. You know the weather's been good. Um, you know farmers had did slow down a little bit because of COVID, but uh, we saw them pick it back up. So so far they're kind of slightly above last year and. Um, you know, we're hoping they finish strong for the year, and so far we've seen, uh, you know, consistent performance from them. <clears throat> okay, that's great. Thank you. And at this time, there are no further questions. Okay, uh, thank you, Casey. So, um, so I want to thank everyone for the questions and the time today. Uh, Patrick and I look forward to discussing our fourth quarter results with you in November. Uh, stay safe, everyone, and if there's any follow-on questions, please don't hesitate to reach out. So with that, Casey, we can end the call. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's call. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect your phone lines. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.